0: Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL Readings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 11 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as D T. Welcome to the show, Jep. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. On this episode, Jeppe and I are going to discuss a stack of information since AFL Fantasy opened last week. We're going to start with some training updates that I attended late last week and also early today on Monday, uh, January 27. At St Kilda training last week, uh, Dylan Robertson completed full training. He had no restrictions. Uh, obviously, Robertson sparked some interest from you and I, Jep.
1: Well oh, yes. He's uh, very much bargain by and um, he'll be in most teams,
0: I, I hope, come round one. Moving on to Friday at Carlton Training, Sam Doherty looked very sharp. Uh, there's no heads hesitation for me here, Jep.
1: No, neither. Um, he is currently my D3, and pending, you know, God willing, he'll, he'll remain there till, again, we start the season.
0: Cade Simpson played a halfback role in match sim. Nick Newman played across a halfback role as well, and also as a small deep defender. Sam Walsh did attend a few centre bounces. He found plenty of the ball as usual. He's currently two percent owned and priced at ninety two points, Jeff. Can you go back there?
1: No, not not this not yet anyway. I um I think I'd prefer my custom primo midfielders. Um and with the youngster like Sam Bowl still fluctuating with his scores and consistency not quite there yet. I'll um I think we'll be waiting till he's a till he's a locked
0: primo mid. I see plenty of upside in him over his career from an AFL fantasy perspective. Uh, Moving on to Patrick Cripps. He did look super slim last week. So any chance you can go with Cripps again, Jep?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like anyone who can average 110 plus in an AFL fantasy season has to be considered. And, you know, um, I'm currently running with four primo mids and he's in the mix for one of those spots.
0: Jack Martin certainly caught the attention of myself last week. He started predominantly as a half forward. He tended a few centre bounces there as well, but he was finding the ball with ease. He's priced at 619k, which is 83 points at round one, Jeb. Do you see Jack Martin on your watch list? Yeah, look, I think what Carlton will want
1: to do with Jack is use him as the link player and his forward line, forward 50 delivery. Mm -hmm. Excellent use by Foot. I think they'll want to use him forward as centre. And um, delivered to the tall forwards in the forward line. I don't think he's going to be a um, prolific uh, accumulator of the ball. He'll um, he'll probably have moments on the wing and and um, and in the centre. But his his role really is um, feeding the big boys um, in the forward fifty and and becoming a running link player. So he look he's he's on the watch list. He's not ruled out by any stretch. I, I want to see some game time. Um, and yeah, I think he's one of those forwards, like Hugh Greenwood as well, that um, that I'm eyeing off for, of, you know, the potential bargain buy to start
0: 2020 with. I did certainly bump up Jack Martin in my rating. One to watch out for in preseason games, and also points per minute uh, through hopefully those couple of games that he does play. Will Setterfield and Jack Nunes settled mostly on a wing top role. Uh, obviously, Jack Nunes has been identified for a potential halfback role. Moving on to Melbourne training today, Angus Brayshaw attended training and he was in a brace, which was quite surprising. He sprained his elbow last week and he was on limited uh, running duties today. His elbow was fully strapped and had an arm brace on as well. For me now, there are serious concerns. How about you, Jeff?
1: Yeah, you just put a line through him. You wouldn't... um... It looked pretty serious. The uh, the contraption he had on his elbow today. And um, look, I would uh, I'd put a line through him. And um, you want to you want to pick players fully fit going into your uh, fantasy season. If he's under an injury cloud before we even start,
0: well, gee whiz, you um you're up against it. So it's a no for me. He struggled with that brace on today, no doubt about it. Uh, from what I was watching, but uh, it just it
1: looked pretty serious, Pete. It looked pretty um. I don't think it's, you know, it was a precautionary sort of brace. It looked like um, they didn't want to move the arm too much Correct. and and have it deviating from, Correct. you know, sort of left to right. look looked like it, he could do the up and down 90-degree sort of action. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, look, I consider it pretty serious. And, um, yeah, I'd be staying away.
0: From what i witnessed, like, so obviously only a few meters in front of me this morning at Melbourne Training, was that you're exactly right. Uh, that brace, they didn't want that elbow to move whatsoever. He struggled with it. He had it readjusted. Uh, Stephen May ran laps for about 90 minutes. Or not laps, about 200-meter sprints. Um, he was going for about 90 minutes, maybe even two hours. Angus Brayshaw didn't even crack the hour mark. So he did very little compared to Stephen May. Obviously, the different stages of rehab, but you're certainly right when Melbourne didn't want that arm to move whatsoever. So for me, it's a massive downgrade here. Yep, agreed. Uh, Max Gorn didn't train today. Harley Benal was sidelined with a calf injury late last week. Um, he wasn't training today. He is currently unsigned at Melbourne. Um, Melbourne has come out and said today that they're playing the long game with Harley, so hopefully there's still an opportunity for him to get that corrected uh, and also be signed. Uh, Warney did tweet out last late last week or on the weekend there at some stage that Bunnell would probably come in at around 224k, Hopefully he can get the all clear throughout the season and be a chance for a a nice little downgrade for us, Jep.
1: Yeah, yeah, obviously won't be in time for round one, but, um, you know,
0: again, if he can
1: get his body right, which no one's holding their breath over, especially me, then, you know, the skill and and, um, upside of of Harley is is
0: huge. So Mm -hmm. um, let's wait and see. Luke Jackson looked very athletic today. He's slightly underweight compared to Braden Pruce. Um, <laughs> and, and he looked, oh, Pruce obviously a, is a machine, but he looked actually quite raw out there. He's no, probably
1: probably 30, 30 kilos lighter than uh, yeah, Pruce, I
0: would have thought. Yeah, it's a big difference. I mean, if if that was a game and, and it was uh, Pruce versus Jackson, I mean, Bruce would just ab- absolutely tear him apart. So it's, like for, t- it's like Tim English all over again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't see that many buck opportunities there for Jackson this year, and there's probably a little way down the track. He looks quite raw, but certainly there's some massive upside there for me. Clayton Oliver moves well today, training. He's going to play an inside mid role. Any chance for you there this year, Jeff? Yep, again, much like Patrick Cripps, he's uh, vying for one of my four primo mid-spots. Over to Hawthorne. Luke Bruce was on radio last week and he was the least bit convincing on the back of Tom Mitchell's comments the week before about a return to date playing role for Tom Mitchell. This is becoming quite doubtful that he may be ready for the start of the season, Jeff.
1: Yeah, disappointing. I um I would have thought well, I was hoping we all I suppose I are hoping that he was raring to go um, at this pop pointy end of pre season, but he's um, still Quite a way behind um, And it's just too risky in my opinion We um, will obviously monitor it And give our listeners our um, The updates of, of what, what's Being reported and what we're hearing um,
0: But I think we need to start planning Without um, having Tom Mitchell in For round one. I agree, hopefully Hawthorne are just keeping their cards close to their chest And he's fully ready to go at round one If that's the case, we're all good, we're on him But at this stage uh, there has to be A plan B starting to evolve over to Magpies, Taylor adams he's priced at 95 points to begin the season he did have a slight foot issue during the preseason he's likely five to 15 points underpriced to begin the season jet
1: yep uh, again it's one probably been scarred from in the past um, picking him up post well you know during the season as a primo mid and didn't come come good so look for me I think Trelaw is in the brackets. You know, demands a footy and and has sort of that uh, job role, or sorry, that on-field role where he's, Collingwood would want to go through him and use his, his disposal to good effect. But um, Taylor, yeah, look, I, I have my reservations on Taylor Adams. You know, if he does a run with role, what is, you know, he's not, his role can change from week to week. Mm-hmm. and he can run with he can be a you know th- the feeder the in and out inside hard mid feeding out to these other blokes so I, I just i just don't i'm not a taylor adams fan i'm just going to stay clear and um stick stick with those that i know um will um have well, that those that have the the role to um to get those steady
0: possessions each game and and you know score 100 fantasy points each game I guess at 95 points, uh, what we're looking at there is for a 110-point season. So he's actually pretty much got to hit that to get the payoff.
1: Correct. And, yeah, agreed. And I just don't, I just can't see that happening. Okay. Especially when we had about six players last year, um, average 110. Six midfielders anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Over at West Coast, one playing sitting down there. He's a key position player and obviously... Uh, Season-long fantasy, key position players are pretty much a no-no. But Josh Kennedy is sitting down their price at 54 points to begin the season. First four games for West Coast, the Demons home, Saints away, Cats home, power away. Can you see a decent salary jump to begin the season, Chip? He's arguably 15 to 20 points under price for me. But longevity, along with scoring volatility, is an issue.
1: Um, He could definitely start... Like, I remember last year... He started the season slow, coming off pre preseason injury, and, and really they they um, they nursed him to peak at the right time, and it ended up working out okay. But um, yeah, look, fifty four. What's that in price? That's going to be four hundred grand. Oh, look, he could do it. He could do it again. You're just relying on him to take, you know, kick four goals minimum a game, and. Yeah, I'd stay clear, Josh. Just um, getting older, uh, West Coast they're nursing through it. Sure, he'll have the gains, or he might score 80 or 90, but I think outlaying 400 grand for for round one, you probably spend the money a bit smarter.
0: I guess uh, you pretty much need a salary pop straight away. Correct. You're
1: relying on... 75s for the first four or five probably, rounds. And then probably, he's probably...
0: probably more, more. You're yeah, probably going to need some 90s early on. Oh, look, I... I'd, and, then yeah, ju- and then upgrade him to someone else who's sitting there.
1: That's pretty far-fetched, I think. I don't think that that's likely. hmm And the other thing, too, is like, he, then you forced to upgrade him earlier. You're going to have to upgrade him rounds five, at about round five or six at least. So, yep. yep you sort of locked into that upgrade and locked into that plan. Um,
0: but I like to keep my options open, I suppose. Yeah, exactly right. Moving over to Port Adelaide. Tom Rockliffe is currently 2% owned following off-season shoulder we He was a big part of Craig's winning team last season on two occasions, while he was a fail for many others. You and I both had a decision to make mid-year we came to the conclusion in our DM chats to fade Rocky, partly because he was a popular trading target. And there was also a decent possibility he could fail. We made the right decision there last year. Craig used Rocky twice, but there certainly were some others that Rocky was a bit of a pain last year.
1: Yeah. Um, And if I were to compare, like nothing against Rocky, I think he's
0: a fantastic player
1: and... um, and has been a great servant for AFL Fantasy and a great fan of AFL Fantasy. But, um, you know, you spend another 20-odd grand and you're getting Patrick Cripps, and I'd much rather Patrick Cripps less, you know, with the extra or less 20K than picking Tom Rockcliffe. I think Patrick Cripps is is the upside for this season, is, is far greater than um, Tom Rockcliffe, and I think Patrick Cripps is far more reliable this season than Tom Rockcliffe.
0: I guess the, the, the point there for me is the timing. Obviously Craig's winning team last year started with Rocky and he threw him in there as an early captain. And I think just after the buy period he traded back in Rocky and slotted him straight back in as a captain again. When we had our decision to make last year to fade Rocky, uh, these are the types of decisions that we're going to chat through this year. Is that we came to the conclusion to fade Rocky partly because he was a popular trading target these are the crucial decisions that people have to get come across and pretty much take on the rest of the field je
1: yeah look and he had those scores last year 150 and it, and, it, and it burnt us at, at times but at the other you know in the latter rounds of that that decision you know it was a four or five round call at the time um, he didn't play too well so look looking forward to those calls 5050 calls if we call on that yeah um, Throughout the season, yeah. Look, we we did speak at length, and
0: mm.
1: I um I have a reputation of going against the norm, as you know.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to take players on, and uh, especially at Rocky last year when, you know, people were talking about him as the trade-in target. I mean, that's the, that was just the time to say no. Unfortunately, for those who did trade him in, it could have potentially ruined their season. Yeah, definitely. Moving over to the Bombers, Mitch Hibbard has now been confirmed to be out for six weeks with a knee injury. He'll likely miss round one, but he could be a decent downgrade opportunity during during the season, Jet.
1: Yeah, unfortunate, but like you said, we'll, um, we'll watch him throughout the year and he'll be a downgrade target
0: um, during the season. Moving over to the Bulldogs, Tom Liberatore appears likely to miss the start of the season with his knee injury. That likely gives it all clear for a similar midfield lineup early in 2020 as was the case in late 2019 for the Bulldogs. McRae, Dunkley, Bont, uh, any interest there, Jet? Yeah, I've, I look a bit deeper than that. I look at Bailey Smith and Lipinski
1: and those guys. Um, look, for the Bont, he's a, one of the best players in the AFL's class act. Um, and I think, again, the Bulldogs are in planning for a big season um, and are primed for a big season. So... You no, know, Jack McRae, Bond, definitely the top two choices. Um, Dunkley to third for me. Um, I know Dunkley racks it up, but I think this year he might uh, might have a little bit of a lag. It's just a hunch. It's no, there's no real science behind um, the thought. I think um, Dunkley will have a more settled role this year, but um, he's got to back it up, I suppose and then yeah like i said bailey smith popinski those sort of unique um, midfielders that are scheduled as uh, listed as forwards for us in fantasy they um they're um they're prime calls so you know bailey smith is one right up there in my watch, watch list and um, mm. priced at a 69 average and 513 grand hefty big call um but, you know, that 70 average or 69 average from last year in 2019 could easily, easily become an 80, 85 average. So, um, or even 90. So, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd be watching them pretty closely and, um, trying to make my team work after the opening of Fantasy and, and balancing out the, each line, um, I'm struggling in defence at the moment. To, to um, I need to chuck in some extra cash in my defence and, you know, downgrading a, a, you know, fringe primo in my forward line for someone like Bailey Smith frees definitely frees up a lot of coin. He did
0: start his uh, debut season very slowly last year, but he played all 23 games, uh, which is yeah. quite critical. So his job security is locally solid. It's just whether his numbers can start to pop.
1: Yeah, it obviously comes with the role change. We, you know, he was obviously half forward and, and pinch hitting in the in the inside mids. But another preseason, mm. he's obviously a quality kid. Yep. Um, I agree. And I just don't be surprised if he's
0: if he's he's got his head under the ball at the centre bounces. Definitely a, a remodel of Brad Johnson for those who can remember Johnno. Uh, moving over to the Swans, uh, words from assistant coach Jared McVeigh last week. Oli Florent is having a really good preseason. We want him to go to another level now and be one of the elite mids in the competition. Florent is at five hundred and fourteen k mid only, priced at an average of sixty nine jet. Yeah, it's a shame
1: he's a mid only. This is the this is the kicker. Um, again, much in the same ilk of Bailey Smith. I think he's hitting his third year, <coughs> Florent, um, or fourth year maybe. Um but it's looked like it just seemed like Sydney were grooming him grooming him in two thousand nineteen for, for a big midfield role now. So I remember um each week in, in you know, um TFS and whether to pick Florent as that um that sort of outside pick that could either get you fifty one week or or hit up ninety plus. So mm. His scores have been inconsistent, yep. and I know that from DFS, as, as you do too, Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're spending that much money, 500-odd grand, I would expect consistent scores, and I just can't I can't hold my I can't put my hand on my heart and say that's going to come out of Florent. I'd feel much more confident saying Bailey Smith was going to provide the consistency than Florent would.
0: I guess when he moved into midfield late like last year... And obviously, he was there throughout the 2019 season. But what people would be looking at is the round 20 to round 22 average, and that's at 100.7 points. If he can track that 100 mark as a mid only, that's a massive up in salary for Florent.
1: Yeah, and um, again, there's no reason why he can't average 90 this season. There's absolutely no reason. It's just um, let's let's mark it down for one to watch in the in the March. Um, series and um, we'll look at his role closely
0: and um, yeah, he's, um, he's highlighted on my watch list that's for sure 90 average is definitely not the question for me as well as with all the news it's not just about the direct impact on a player that needs acknowledging it's also the indirect impact as well that is the one area fantasy coaches can exploit their opponents uh, moving on to our next topic utility position Looping VC scores versus early cash generation. With the new utility position, an early decision on strategy needs to be made. For me, it impacts my team structure. Basically, if you have all players named and hitting the field early in the season, there is no loophole opportunity. Last year, overall winner Craig was able to achieve a net result of 187 points over the 7 weeks of the season, by declining loophole opportunities. So it's not impossible to hit premium numbers selecting straight-up captains. But there is no second chance. Your thoughts, Jep? Well, look, for me,
1: I like options, And, look, I'm happy to run with a non-playing, say, R3, for example, or whatever position it may be. It's um, having the utility position as well. It's... um. It, it gives us a, an extra hand, I suppose. So, look, I, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I can't say that I'm, I'm definitely going to run with one way, but at the moment, um, you know, we, we don't know who's, who's going to be in the round one squads, So, and who's likely for lining up for job security, but, um, either way, whether I do, or I don't, um, having the option for the VC loophole is, is fantastic. Um, but, like in our first or second podcast and and you raised that point with um, last year's winner you know nailing the captain choices wasn't relying on this loophole so do we really need it it's um, mm. it's 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 definitely something to think about and I think more importantly cash generation this season is definitely going to be difficult so we want as many playing players Rooks as we can, basement priced, to generate as much cash as we can. Because, gee whiz, if we um, if we don't have these cash generating rooks, we're uh, we're going to struggle for the upgrades, and it's going to going to make it hard. So, um, look, one way or another, I think the easy way to start round one is to have all play all rooks playing. Um, but we don't know for Darcy Cameron. Just going to line up round one, for example.
0: Mm. The big question here for me. Is there an opportunity to exploit this against most of the field who will likely take the early cash generation option as opposed to utilising a non-competing player to get two bites at the cherry? I'm considering taking the loophole option in two or three ways, assuming Darcy Cameron plays at round one. Most of us will choose Cameron at R3. First option, straight up, select a non-competing player using all my starting salary. My thinking there is to um, possibly select a defender as a non-player and use him as loophole. Once again, this is is assuming Darcy Cameron plays. Second option for me is to select a non-competing player, again possibly a defender, plus have a certain amount of salary spare at round one. Then, when the Thursday night games are done at round six, utilize that salary as required. Let's say 100k at the end of the season means little. However, at the start, it is highly valuable. The starting salaries are wildly inefficient. If I can select an effective squad, shorting my salary cap by say let's, 100, let's say 100k, I then create five five opportunities with two chances to open the season an extra hundred points at the end of the season could be quite valuable. Your thoughts on that one, Jeff?
1: Yeah, look. Fire, right, you're making me think as you normally do, Pete. I um I'm about the cash generation. I think I think that is the of the utmost importance. I am really, really worried about a lot of these settled teams and other than Frio I don't and and Gold Coast, I don't see a lot of um, afl
0: teams playing the kids this season so i'm for the cash generation mate third option utilize a rookie that loses his spot in the team or not trading out an injured player that has been so long to exploit the vc loophole let it evolve naturally your thoughts on that one jib
1: oh look yeah i mean you would but not. look I, I look at the these thursday night games and you got Richmond and, and Carlton, you know, Cripps and Dusty potentially as options. Um, Collingwood and Richmond, round two, again, Trelaw and Dusty. Like, I see why last year's winner didn't need to utilise the VC too much, mm. really. Because, you know, Carlton Essendon, I mean, who from Essendon is going to... sack Merritt, a 120 scorer. What did I I don't know if I'm probably putting you on the spot here, what did um last year's winners captain score average over the season? It was wasn't it like one forty odd?
0: just just off the top of my head there, from rounds one to seven it was about one twenty nine. Yeah, so you know, you could easily gauge,
1: you know, Cornelio against the Bulldogs that same round in round three to to go as hard. So um yeah, I'm going to stick with the cash generation. Sure, if a rookie gets dropped and you can utilize the loophole, then run with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's, but, but, yeah.
0: it's, a, it's potentially holding onto an injured player that's maybe out for one week. Okay, you know, instead of trading him out, okay, I actually might use a loophole this week, especially if it's coming up with a Thursday night player that you have in your team. Yeah, of course, and, and I think that's you know we'd all we'd all
1: tend for that way as long as our other. Other backup um, defender or whatever line it is was playing. I have no issue with that. It's um, it's how we start the season that I'm more concerned about, and oh, I'm just for cash generation the whole way. Um, I I I must admit, and we spoke about we've spoken about this before. I I didn't. I haven't completely ruled out starting with a non-playing player um, for the loophole, but. Um, you no, know, thinking out loud in our discussion now, I think it's important to to get that cash in the bank early and um, so we can
0: utilize it down in the season. No doubt for me. However, if an early popular fouled captain or two does eventuate, potentially we can get a jump on the field. Yeah. So, so you- we're, talk-
1: we're talking 20, 30 points here. I don't think it's going to... A, a jump in a field is is a 20 or 30 point jump really okay so if that's just so, a,
0: if that's just a so, poor, poor matchup and a, just a poor game but if the uh unthinkable happens and you know there's yeah. an injury or two that happens yeah and most okay. of the field is on a certain player yeah good call uh you can get a you can get a hundred point jump here. geez
1: so you make this is good discussion look I, there's a lot of what-ifs, isn't there? Oh, that's um, right. And and what, and what, you play it safe, you play the playing players. Um,
0: and you're, you know, you're, on, bro, you're pretty much relying on injuries here to get yeah, to get yeah. your ju- jump ahead of the field. Yeah, um, and that's more unlikely than likely, mm-hmm. you know, a
1: lot less likely. So, you know, it's like when, you know, I was vying into the last round when I was six and I traded out Dangerfield and hoping he was, you know, going to have a lackluster game it's um the odds are unlikely but um sometimes you know it is is the jump like you said that that uh you could get on the rest of the field in the majority so food for thought let's yeah you're making me think mate it's it's this is good this is good
0: well there's There's, um there's another option here i mean you, you can play it uh so just say it's round two, Collingwood and Richmond, you've got Brodie Grundy as your VC, and obviously your trades aren't locked in until the Friday. Potentially, if he knocks up, a, a, you know, 190. Yep. And then but you've got all your rookies on your bench slated to play, potentially you might have to trade out one to lock that 190 points in. <laughs> oh, that's so a, th- th- that's obviously yeah. the other option there. Is that, uh, man, if he pops it for 200, just say. Something yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Something Yeah, no, no, but what but something that's ridiculous. Fair. I mean that that is just not something that you can just totally ignore. So all of a sudden then you you're obviously gonna loop that and trade out a player that is going to be playing into a pl- non playing player and mm. lock that score in. So that, that's obviously another option right there. That's pretty hectic, isn't it? Oh jeez. So there's so many decisions to make. I wouldn't
1: want to put it that way. I wouldn't if when you put it like that, I wouldn't want to be in the position to be trading out a playing rook. To a non-playing, just a chase a VC score. Oh, absolutely! So, I, wouldn't I wouldn't even think to talk th- about it.
0: Yeah, I think um, we need to be aggressive, Egypt. That's what yeah. we both agreed on yeah. in episode no. one and two. We did. We, we need did. to be aggressive.
1: Yeah, we so, did. We so, did agree that
0: and, I and, and go on. Uh, and we <laughs> we both want to get at the, probably the same point, Eddie, but. We we want to go that you know one thirty one forty, but if something pops for one hundred ninety, that's staring us in the face. Are we, are we oh. really going to decline that? No, no, of course not. That's what I'm saying. It's um, it's it's not something we'd
1: think twice over. We we definitely both do it. And I would far out, someone can a conservative AFL fantasy coach would be the only one that wouldn't do it. Mm. But um, after learning all the stats that you pulled up from last year's winners and the top ten, I mean. It, it has to, um, you have to chase the points and, and deal with the consequences each week as you go. Um, there's no doubt about it, so, oh, like, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I'm seriously contemplating chasing that VC loophole guaranteed for the first five rounds. You know, so potentially shorting my salary by 100k. That's if I can get an efficient squad in, into my round one team. And then utilizing the VC loophole.
1: Yeah, and look, my recommendation with that is the player that I would see the option of someone who's who I think is going to play later in the season is Sam Draper, who you know was offered big money out of St Kilda, coming off a knee rico and majoring a serious knee injury. He definitely played games this year, but you know in the second half of the season. Um, so that's someone I would probably look at
0: mate, right, if that was the case. Uh, moving on to a couple of articles I put up on the aflratings.com.au last week. Potential busts. A potential bust fail spot compared to starting salary or situational roles. Uh, the first one I had was Rohan Marshall, obviously based on Paddy Ryder coming in as a, a backup ruck and them sharing the ruck role. Nick Newman um, with the return of Doherty potentially Uh, SPS and Nunes playing a halfback role. Uh, Nick Nick Newman could become a small uh, lockdown defender type. Uh, Dyson Heppel obviously coming off his foot injury and dealing with uh, pre-season injuries. Braden Fiorini dealing with his groin injury and not only that, uh, dealing with an influx of high talent draft picks that he might not be able to see as much ball as what he has done previously. And the final one is Mitch Duncan. He's had a horror couple of months. Obviously his knee injury late in the season. Uh, he also had his a- AC joint there as well, and obviously dealing with minor hip surgery, so he's still obviously currently in the rehab group. Can't emphasise enough uh, a solid preseason. They're my five potential busts, Jep. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the only one I disagree with is probably Nick
1: Newman. I, um, I see a new role for Nick Newman. You've mm-hmm. got Simpson, Doherty, Nunes, Newman. It's a lot of names to fit in, one in a six-man back line. Plus key position players. So I uh, I would have thought Newman would be utilised up the ground and on a wing. No, not for me. Not for you? No. Or I don't know. We'll
0: pretty see. Much, pretty much 2% chance he's anywhere but in that back line.
1: Well, I cannot see Newman playing round one. Like I can't see him in the 22 then because I got. Yeah, I I got Newman ahead of those blokes. So you play Newman, your small your small defenders are Newman, Simpson and Doherty. Yes, rotating through the back six, so it's
0: yeah, it's so um, Jack Nunes will spend time on a wing, opposed to uh, Will Setterfield? Potentially, I don't
1: know. Like it's we got we got to we going to watch this. We we got to see. Yeah, that's what how happened last week.
0: That's what happened last week at training. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Nunes rolling through that half back line, but starting on a wing. Setterfield, a uh, bit of midfield inside CBAs, and also wing roll and you've got yep. Newman as your small-type defender, and then you've got uh, Doherty back and Simpson rolling across that half-back line. Okay, well, if that's the
1: case, then sure. Doherty would take you know possessions away from Newman, no doubt about it, and, mm-hmm. yeah, we not leave him uh, in that bust list.
0: Yeah, it's potential. Obviously, Newman has a strong ceiling, so um, it's one of the difficult choices there, picking out fire players that are going to fail. But with the return of Doherty... Uh, Simpson's still there racking up disposals and potential others encroaching on his territory there's the potential to fail but that one could bite me back seriously uh, moving on to another article I published on uh with the top 10 rucks ranked taking in salary opportunity value and scoring ability for the 2020 home and away season I uh, had Brodie Grundy and Max on 1 and 2 uh, no opposition to that Chip? nah easy Uh, No doubt about it. Joe Witz had number three, but if he does see a slide in his hit outs, he could slide down. Would you have Witz at three, Jep?
1: I would. I think he's the best tap ruck winner in the game, and I actually had Witz for uh,
0: the latter rounds last year and wasn't too displeased with him. Uh, I've moved Riley O'Brien up to number four on this list. I see a solid season on the back of his 2019 breakout season. What are your thoughts on O'Brien, Jep?
1: Uh, I'd be wary with this one
0: because we've got
1: um, St- Nickx as the new coach, and we don't know if they're going to play two rucking yet. So we've got who's the young fella, Hant Frampton out of Port Adelaide, is now at Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he could definitely share a lot of the ruck with Riley O'Brien. So that's let's wait and see. Let's wait and see and see how O'Brien's used in the Marsh series, and. Um, his time in the ruck, and time up forward, and, and whatever else, and see how Himmelberg or Frampton or whoever there are to pinch at a ruck is, and see how it sort of plays out. So I,
0: th- I'd just, I'd highlight that one for now and, and TBA to okay. be advised. Don't forget, this is taking in salary, opportunity value, and scoring ability. At number five, I had Sam Jacobs. Uh, this is one of these value selections here, Jeff.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I think.
1: He's the starting rut for GWS. I think he's going to be pretty prolific along most stat lines. Um, not all. I don't think he's going to do as well as he did at Adelaide in terms of fantasy scores. Um, but he still be up there nonetheless and still a value
0: pick. What sort of average uh, would there need to be for you to consider him a success if you're going to start with him at round one? What sort of average would you be, need to be looking at?
1: Oh, 85, 85 plus. If he, if he averages 90, I think that's a huge, huge bonus, but I'm, I'm expecting 85 um, and I'm expecting inconsistent scores too, which is going to be a bit of a bugger for someone who, you know, is, is only in the first half of my fantasy plans and, and not for the whole season. Mm-hmm. So if, if I can get 90 average out of him in the rounds 1 to 12 or whatever it is, that they'll be fantastic.
0: I'd be pretty happy. Todd Goldstein uh, coming at number six. Obviously, he's pretty much should have a solo ruck role at the moment. Majak Door is penciled to come back in, but obviously Goldstein will do the majority of the work. Scott Licehead, I had number seven. Now, this could go either way. If he's going solo ruck, um, he could be jumping up to number four, maybe even number three. If he is solo ruck, uh, Hinkley once again has suggested that uh, he could share the ruck duties with Laddams in the same team if they're both playing well. We know we know. Last year, Lysette was dropped by Hinckley, but obviously that's when Ryder, Ryder was around. Ryder is not there anymore, so a Lysette can definitely pop Egypt. Yep, yeah, definitely. Um,
1: knowing again, he seeing him at West Coast, he did pop up for the odd ton, and when he plays well, generally West Coast won, and when he plays well at Port, um, they generally win as well. So, um, a lot sort of hinges on. His shoulders and yeah, if I'm if I'm Hinkley, I'd, um, I'd be opening it up to let. I used to call him the bull when he played at West Coast. Let the bull go to work. So um, he definitely has a ceiling yeah. as well. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I might be pushing him up in ahead <clears throat> of Goldstein and and. Um, yeah, and seeing what he sort of produces. Probably at the prime of his footy career too. I think he's about 28 years old, 29. So he's probably hitting
0: his peak as a ruckman. Um, and yeah, we'll see what he produces. Uh, the reason I've got him at number seven, obviously, is the, the split ruck royal uh, with Laddums. Yeah. Uh, but if they're not in the same team and Lysette is running solo, uh, he can pop up to number three for me quite easily.
1: Yeah, and got, they've got Dixon as well, who, you know, Laddams isn't a guarantee to be in the 22 if they mm-hmm. go for a more running lineup, and they play Dixon as a pinch-hitting ruck, which is what I would sort of, if I was Hinkley, sort of been leaning towards the... You know, Lasset is pretty durable. Um, he does need a rest, that's for sure, but there's no reason why Dixon can't pinch-hit for a little bit and mm. Westhoff moves to full forward or, or whatever, Um They've got a lot of options, so I'd be, yeah, I'd be pretty eager to see how they sort of line up in round one. Uh,
0: at number eight, I've got Tim English. Breakout season is looming, Jep. It is,
1: it is, and he's bloody skillful, and he can move laterally. He's, he's going to be there, or thereabouts. He's going to be one of the best ruckmen of the game soon, but um, it's it's either it's,
0: this, this year or next year.
1: Yeah, I'll, if I'm a betting man, I'm putting it down to next year, but that's just me.
0: It's just when you want to jump, put him in. Do you want to be early on him? And, and, you know, if he pops this year that you can be a part of that. There's the potential for this year. Um, if you're right and that's next year, uh, potentially he's not going to be value next year. So it's just, it's coming. It's just a matter of when.
1: Yeah, definitely. And um, like I said, he's got all the tools. Um, I assume he's put on more size, another pre-season, you know, Looking at last year's fantasy scores from him, he um, he averaged seventy-seven across the year, and there's only one ton, which was in the elimination Mm. final that didn't. Oh no, round five, sorry. So there was one ton last year. Um, Lots of hitouts in the twenties. Some games, you know, he had single-digit hitouts, which really hinders his scores. But um, yeah, I think um, he definitely improved from last year for me, but. Is it is it the year to jump on? Probably not. Not with um, not with um,
0: Jacobs there. Averaged uh, 98 points from his last three playing games last year, English. Uh, so he's some chance to ex- exceed his opening salary of 572k at number nine. I've got Toby Nankervis. Obviously, he's running uh, dual set setup with Ivan Soldo. For me, they can still hit the scoreboard yet.
1: Oh, yeah, and injury riddled la- year last year. Um, he was up and down with his fitness. He definitely can turn up. One I always look at at DFS was one of the, the cheaper ruck options who was always
0: pretty solid, so no no doubt in that. At number 10, uh, it wasn't Nick that newy. It wasn't Matthew Cruiser, wasn't a couple others. I actually slotted in Sean Darcy here uh, with the departure of Sandylands and Lobb expected to be Approximately seventy percent forward this year. Uh, Darcy could actually improve on his starting salary at five hundred and eleven
1: k. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head here, mate. I um, I've got Darcy is pretty much in the same boat as Jacobs, really. Um, mm-hmm. Jacobs' history tells us he's going to score better than Darcy, but you know, Darcy for me is is starting number one ruck for Fremantle, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a He's a big lad, a heavy lad, um, a strong lad. It's just he's, he's no problems with the hit-outs and tackles. It's just getting those extra possessions and, um, and those sort of scores um, to prop up his fantasy numbers. So, again, la best score of last season was 92 in round 22, um, probably when he got a decent run and, and sort of hit some fitness. Um, I don't mind Sean Darcy, although you know, we'll, we'll see how he goes if he's looking a bit lighter on his feet and moving well around the ground. I, I think we, we put him as a bargain starter for round one as a as a left-field option anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to our final topic for this podcast, team structure. What do you currently see, Jeff?
1: Well, all right, so we opened, we opened AFL Fantasy and... Um, well, I had a play with it, so it from my spreadsheet and working throughout all the pre-season. And at the moment, this is what I'm going with. So I've got, and I assume we're going to call a pre back about 500k, north of 500k. Is that fair?
0: Uh, I, generally we'll call a, run, I generally run fewer than 300 is a rookie. 300 to 600 is a mid. and Sorry, to 599. And 600 and above is premium.
1: 600 above premium. Okay, in that case, I've got one primo defender, Mm -hmm. uh, three mid-prices and two rooks in my defence. So one, three, two. That's the same as me. Interesting, because we're never alike. Um, Then in my mids, I've got four primos and four rooks.
0: Straight up four and four. Four and four. I have six and two.
1: Six pre. You sound like me last year, Pete. You, get, I you did got the tell you in
0: a couple of podcasts previously, so that's where I was heading. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, look, I just think the
1: value of our of our Midbrooks, uh is is the greatest across all the lines. So I've tried to make, after my learnings of last year, I've maximised. Yeah, try.
0: Right. My um... but just on that, don't forget we've got the utility positions, so we're picking up another one on the bench this year. Correct. Yeah, yeah, correct. But So so if you would equate that last year to what I'm trying to do here this year. I mean, you, you know, if we had I, I got four rookies at the moment, but I've actually got five with the utility position. That's the mid rookies.
1: No, no, that's fair. It's it's starting rookies that I'm concerned about. So mm-hmm. like I remember the the conversation we had. I had Charlie Constable, because I was so loaded in my mids. On the bench. I was on the bench. I was starting Constable on my bench as my Mm. M9. And then I was having to play, who was that? Uh, Clark when he wasn't hitting big scores early in the season last year from Geelong. Mm. Um, I was copying his 50s and 60s because he was my D6. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a 20-point differential on most on most games, and that really was hurting me. So anyway, each of their own. So, no, no
0: judgment. So uh, obviously we'll judge each other after one, but not there Yep. But uh, for me, uh, AFL Fantasy this year, and this is what I'm playing on, AFL Fantasy this year, Gave us a nice little 200k bonus. So we went from 12.8 million to 13 to million. 13, so, so we've yeah, picked yeah. up an extra 200k free. So I'm going to utilise that and I'm pretty much going to utilise that in the midfield.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's all good. Like I said,
0: no judgement. Only, um, only after round
1: one. Yeah. <laughs> when I say it's like no, I'm joking. Uh, and then in my
0: rucks, I've got... One Primo and one mid-pricer. So that's one below 600k? Yes. Fewer than 600k? Interesting. I have two above 600k.
1: Oh, interesting. Uh, And then forward line, I've got four Primos and two Rooks, no mid prices. On the reverse, I've got two and
0: four. Gee whiz. Very thin.
1: Far out. I don't know who these for You must be expecting gold from your forward rooks, as I'm expecting bloody donuts because you know Rankin and, and King are not starting rooks, and I know you're smart enough to to not have them on your starting field. So you'll be relying a lot of forward rooks playing round one, and you know I'm going to throw names there like Townsend, Flanders, Sturt. Oh, there's probably another couple that escaped me at the time, but um yeah, jeez, Pete, you might be like me last year with um
0: with with what I discussed earlier, but that's okay I've got two I... two of my rockies I'm pretty happy with on the ground, uh obviously, if they're playing around one, I'm actually pretty happy to lock them in, yeah, the other four, two on the field and two on the bench, uh probably suspect
1: yeah. So those
0: two on the field is where it is where where it hurt me last year in defence. So, but I'm util- but I'm utilising extra 200k in the midfield.
1: Yeah, and and that definitely is going to hopefully transport that. Obviously, is transpired in an extra primo for you, or if you've worked mm-hmm. it out that way. Um, and I know that's what you, or well, I think that's what you're getting at. So, I think I've actually gone back to my notes of when I did really well in 2000. Oh, when was it? It was about five, six years ago now, 2014,
0: 15. And what I... It's a different, not, de- Jepper, it's a different decade.
1: Yeah, well, true, and different game <laughs> pretty much now as well with this utility position. But what I, my notes, I've still got them and I save my spreadsheets every year and I absolutely nailed my primos that year. Mm-hmm. No question about it. And I definitely had, I only had two mid-prices in my whole starting team. And one of them was Jesse Lonergan in the back one, if you remember. And I laugh at that because I trading them out one or two rounds later. Um, so it's, yeah, I think nailing the primos. And I've gone for a no-nonsense no, no nonsense approach with my premiums. So, like, I'm spending big bucks. How
0: many players over 800k. In the midfield.
1: In my midfield.
0: Three out of my four primos. Over 800k. Jeez, man. Yep.
1: Yep. No nonsense, Pete. That's Jeff's attitude this year. If I'm picking a bloody primo, it's it's because I know they're going to be there, thereabouts for the whole season.
0: And so obviously, we've talked about Tom Mitchell a little bit over the last couple of weeks. He's not in my team. Okay. He's in my team at the moment. So you, yeah, don't, you don't have him in your team. I do. He he's not
1: in my team. I am not risking it at all. No, I'm not risking an underdone player. I've learnt. <coughs> we've all learnt. We've all been there. We've all picked the underdone player, and I'm nailing my primos Pete, and I'm not picking him. He's not fit, mm. from what I what I can read at the moment. If he lines up in the March series and, and gets thirty touches, obviously,
0: yeah, right. I I um I chuck him in there, but um. I mean, the Hawks could be playing their cards close to their chest again.
1: Yeah, and I, I look—I'm planning without Tom Mitchell. Um, I, I just, yeah, it's just not um, not feasible for me at the moment. And like the other risk area for me is is the rookie forwards. Uh, ironically, what um, going against your sort of structure at the moment, I, I see the score—the potential scores from our rookie forwards—is is pretty slim. So we got. Rankin and King, as I mentioned. We've got Sam Sturt from Frio who will probably line up. Those three on um, poor, if they average sixty, that's that's probably cutting it fine. Mm-hmm. Um but then there's a couple of others who I think will put their hand up and and be regulars and <clears throat> and that's there's a lot to go under the bridge before they're bloody selected for round one at that. So yeah, I um this is where I love fantasy, mate. It's so exciting at this time of year when we're so different and so um, our strategies are so uh, uh, you know, left field, I suppose, for both of us. I do like going against the norm and um, I do have a couple of odd picks in there that not many people would have. Um, but that's, yeah, we'll hopefully give our listeners perspectives on or different perspectives of how to approach the start of round one and and yeah, it's um, and then everyone else can put
0: their own spin on it and make their own final calls. It'd be interesting if I do lock in that structure as we talked about earlier in the podcast with oh, the VC loophole, and I want to leave 100k uh, off the table or on the table, or however you want to say it. If I want to keep 100k spare, it'd be interesting to hear, see how I'm going to squeeze that in. But obviously, between now and towards the end of uh, pre-season into round one rookies are going to be, play a big part in the final makeup of my team.
1: Absolutely and you'll be hearing a lot from me on the rooks as, as that's, uh, that's my background if you want to call it that. or I won't call it my specialty, I'll call it my background. Mm. Um, so it's um, yeah, they dictate our structures every year. Absolutely no doubt about it. Um, and where we can we go for the, we should, in my opinion, go for the guns and rooks option but it's not always comes to light in Valley picks like Doherty and Robertson and whoever else, Sam Jacobs, whoever else it may be. Um, you know, you need to consider those as other cash-generating options that can earn you 100000 150 grand. $150,000 mm-hmm. because um, I can tell you right now there's not, what, 10 rooks or whatever, how many, nine rooks that are going to earn you over um, $100,000, $150,000 in the first half of the season. There's absolutely no way. So um, we're probably pushing eight at the moment, if I'm going to be frank. But who knows? Who knows? We'll see, you know, Ned McHenry's killing a, a Adelaide in time trials. But can he rack up 20 possessions a game or 15 possessions a game and score 70 found points? points um, on average? He's hoping, but we, we don't know. We... Obviously, 90% of teams are going to, or 99% of teams are going to have Marlon Pickett in there, and that's just, we won't even waste our breath talking about Marlon because he's a jet. Um, Rao is one that, you know, last year the debate over spending the extra money for Sam Walsh, is it worth it? Well, I can tell you again, it's going to be worth it this year because Rao, job security, you're paying for the job security, and job security is key this season. So, um, yeah, look, I think as we get, as the weeks progress and, you know, a lot of teams do some solid preseason training now. Um, we'll, we'll report on the rooks, and I'll give you my take, and I'll sort of throw in hints throughout the podcast of of who I'm looking at and who I'm pretty keen on, and and yeah, everything will, uh, will uh, come to life come when the teams around from now, round one, and we're all scrambling.
0: Excellent. Uh, before we close this podcast. If you would like a chance at scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. We'll give a few away towards the end of season. On that note, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thanks, guys.